Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? Girl, the week has been okay. Let's say that. I I think that, um, you know, for, for you guys, you know, we usually record on like a Sunday, and this is like a Tuesday, right? So the week is already sort of kind of hectic and it's just Tuesday. Harrison usually has games. And if you listen to the podcast, you know that Harrison now plays T-ball. Y'all, he literally hates T-ball. He literally told me, mommy, I don't like T-ball. And you know, he says some things like, oh, do you want to go here? No. Do you want to go there? Yes. Right? He's three, right? So he's going to be a little bit inconsistent. He consistently says... He does not like T-ball. But my thing is, we don't quit. We're going to finish the season out because that's what you do. We don't quit anything. We're going to at least finish what we started, right? Plus, I've already paid for everything for this season. We're supposed to be introduced at the Braves game on April 22nd. He's going to walk out with the team. You cannot quit because we've bought four Braves tickets. We will be at the Braves game. You will walk on on the field. You will finish at the end of May, that is what's going to happen. Okay. So today we had a game. Okay. Picture day was supposed to be on Saturday that he has games every Saturday, except for Easter through May 20th. Right. So our weekends are T-ball jam packed. Thursdays he usually has practice. Well, it rained all night, Friday, all day, Saturday until about noon. And then after that, it was a beautiful day, right? Harrison went to a birthday party of one of his team members at 4.30 Saturday. So it was beautiful. But of course, they canceled the game because this game was supposed to be around 10.30 that morning. And the pictures were supposed to be at 9.45. So that moved the game to Tuesday. Now, Harrison, he's tired. He's in school during the day. Afterwards, he's running around. My mama has to get him dressed for pictures. And what does he do? He takes the pictures, his individual pictures. When it's time for the group pictures, Harrison's ready to play. He wants to roll down the hill. So his group picture, he has mud on his knees. He's over it. I'm like, you have to go play the game. I'm threatening him because he's been asking to go to the beach like every other day. And I'm like, you can't go to the beach if you don't play in the game. He does great batting. But when he's trying to go to the outfield, he's like having a fit, crying, not trying to go and get baseball ready. You know, baseball ready. Put your glove on the ground. Get baseball ready. He don't want to do any of that. He's in the dugout with me eating goldfish because he doesn't want to play. So finally, 623 from 530 to 623 is how long they played. And when the coaches said, okay, that's enough. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Sweet baby Jesus. We can go home. It is torture. I don't think that people understand how much torture it is to watch your toddler play sports. It's frustrating. It is torment. Definitely, it gives me palpitations. We will not be doing t-ball next season. Let's say that. We will not. We will do something like soccer, maybe. Something that keeps them a little bit more engaged. But listen, it's been a rough week. I had a conference call Monday. I had a conference call today. I got a conference call Wednesday. <laughs> it's going to be a rough week. But that's okay. The weekend is coming. The weekend will be here soon. Oh, poor Harrison. 
Anyway, Janine, so how has your week been so far? Girl, I my week has been great, but it just seems like one long week. I literally have worked every single day for the past eight days and not to complain because look, I could be outside digging ditches and that's not what my job is. And I'm very grateful and I love my job and I think that it's amazing. However, I'm tired, like stone cold tired. Like before I got onto this, this podcast recording, I literally like if you look at my eyes, they look like I've been drinking because I had to take a nap because I just was like exhausted. And I don't even let me tell you how tired I must have been. I remember getting home and I remember texting Ken to tell him, hey, wake me up. And then all of a sudden, Ken was waking me up and he was like, okay, it's time to record. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I think I would sleep probably for what, 30 minutes maybe-ish? I don't know. Not long enough for me to feel rejuvenated, but just long enough for me to get enough energy to record this podcast. So y'all, I'm on fumes, like hardcore fumes. But I did some like fun things this week. I went to this very interesting like women's history month event a few days ago that was put on by the mayor of DC. And it was like a really amazing event. It was just like an infusion of like awesomeness. And I was just like, just happy to be there. It was just really amazing. And I was grateful to be invited because of course that is not my like normal frame of reference, but I was like, wow, like just looking at all of the amazing women in this area that are like just doing their thing in their own, you know, in their own right. I was like, this is amazing. All ages, all ethnicities. It was like very rejuvenating, but yeah. So that was awesome. Um, and then, you know, Ken and I went to a couple sip and paint. That was cool. So in between the eight days straight of work, I did do some other things. So I've been busy, but y'all, I'm really, really, really tired. Like I'm exhausted, but it's okay. I'm glad that you did get some sleep, Janine, a little bit of nap so that we can have this girl talk tonight, girl. Yeah. Yeah, girl. So Janine, I, I, I hate to even ask you because I already know, but what is on our timeline this week? Okay, Nicole. So I'm going to give a disclaimer before this because this story is very, very dark. Not only is it dark, I'm sure that it could be triggering for many. It was a little triggering for me. In this particular story, it escalated to a fatal place. And, you know, we've talked about domestic violence before and we've talked about, you know, abusive relationships and we've talked about it. But there's just a different space that we're in nowadays. And it is the space that is what I call rage meets clout. And I know that sounds a little strange, but I think that as I tell the story, you all will understand exactly what I'm saying. So this story, Nicole, comes out of Mississippi, and it actually took place just this past Saturday morning where a 28-year-old woman by the name of Khadijah Brown went live on Facebook. As she's going live on Facebook, you see her kind of holding the phone, I would say probably like waist height, and you kind of see her walking through what appears to be her home. And as she's walking, she's complaining. She's complaining about a man, and she's like, he doesn't take care of his kids, and she's, you know, she's going on and on. And the man that she's referring to and complaining about is her husband, Jeremy Brown. So in the video, you hear her talking to someone in the background, and that someone is Khadijah's mother. Not sure if it's biological or someone she just calls mom, but it's her mother. And she's talking about how people always have something to say. and. Um, but her husband wasn't there with the kids and has not been helping with said kids. And again, this is her going on a rant, essentially live on Facebook. She says that he left to go to, with his mom. Like he went to go to his mother's house. And in the background, you hear her mother saying he should be at this house cooking for these kids. And Khadijah continues on with this rant talking about how he questions everyone's loyalty and how he's always talking about how the things that she does aren't enough. And, and he wants to know what she's doing to take care of the kids. Then Khadija goes on to talk about how he picks up his buddy to go to work, but he can't even put gas in both of their cars. 
And then the mother in the background continues to kind of instigate at this point. And she says that he needs to tell his friend to get his own mother's car and go to work so he can come take care of his kids. Now, at this point, it really just feels like a woman scorned talking to her mother and her mother is kind of supporting her. But it is a little bit of like egging on. Right. And in the middle of this video, Jeremy, her husband, comes in. And he's on his phone and Khadijah asks him who he's on the phone with. And he says that he's talking to his uncle and she continues to antagonize him, basically just asking him a bunch of questions. You can tell that they've been going at it for some time at this point. And she then turns the camera around to show us Jeremy. And as she's showing And by us, I mean the people who are viewing this Facebook Live, because again, from the time this started till now, we are still live on Facebook. So she turns the camera around and she points it at him and says, look at him. Look at this sad case, y'all. She's live on Facebook to all of her followers. She basically just degrades her husband on this Facebook Live. And this is the part that I'm talking about for the clout, right? Because there's really no reason. We all know that there's some sort of tumultuous situation going on, but there's really no reason for her to do this. And then he says he wants to have a conversation. And then her mother says, well, what, what is it that you want to have a conversation about? And Khadija jumps in and she's like, yeah, what do you want to have a conversation about? And he backs down. Khadija and her mother are on this bandwagon of, no, tell us what you want to have this conversation about. And he says, we're good. It seems that this is the point where he realizes that no matter what he says or what he does, this situation is not a good one. It seems that this is also the moment. And again, we're not really sure because the camera is not showing this. She's kind of just like holding the phone during this Facebook live. It seems that it's at this moment that things become physical. So you hear him say, don't touch me. And then you hear him say, give me my phone. So it seems like she might just be like grabbing at him or hitting on him and trying to snatch his phone. Now, mind you, he's literally still on the phone having a conversation. So as you hear him saying, don't touch me and give me my phone, he then says, I'm going to call the police. So he's saying he wants to call the police because he, at this moment, I guess, realizes that she's going to continue to antagonize him. And while he wants to be on the phone and he's saying that he's getting ready for work, this is not enough for her because at this point she's mad. And not only is she mad, she's, I would venture to say, enraged. And she has an audience because she's streaming this live on Facebook. So the mother in the background tells him not to call anyone over to the house. And he says, well, tell your daughter to keep her hands off of me. So at this point, you realize that this is now becoming a volatile situation. And Khadijah says, you would be doing all of this with your baby in the room. And the mother was like, yeah, you're doing all of this with the baby in the room. And Jeremy says several times, don't touch me. Khadijah says, you're the one that slapped me earlier. Slap me now. So she's kind of like, at this point, challenging him, it seems, to slap her. Now, again, we don't see the earlier slap because it sounds like this argument has been going on for some time, maybe even some days, but it sounds like this argument has been going on for some time. It sounds like he's attempting to de-escalate the situation. And she's like, I haven't finished the argument that we were having before. So she's basically saying, well, you slapped me earlier as if it justifies her putting her hands on him at this point. And then says, well, slap me now. He says he's going to call his cousin over. And the mother again says, don't call anyone over here. And I'm assuming he's saying he's going to call his cousin over because he doesn't want to put his hands on a woman. So I'm assuming, you know, you know how we do. A guy's like, I'm not going to hit you, but I'm going to find a woman that might. Right. And that's what it seems based on the conversation and and the tone of the conversation at this point. So can. Khadijah continues to antagonize him. And then you hear him say to the person on the other end of the phone, which we take it, take it as he's still on the phone with his uncle. He said, that's what I'm fitting to do, Unc. I'm fitting to get out and I'm not trying to argue. So again, 
super argument. He's trying to de-escalate. He keeps saying, we're good. Khadijah grabs his keys because you can hear it. You don't actually see her grab his keys, but you can hear her grab his keys. And then she says, well, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my car key off. It seems that she puts the phone down because at this point, we no longer see her face kind of like bopping in and out of the screen. And it kind of is appears to be shooting like at the wall or the ceiling or something that's just like blank space. And then you hear her mother begin to lecture him. He continues to say, keep your hands off of me. And the mother is kind of like lecturing him about, you know, taking care of the kids and how she does what she can, but like she's not able to do it. And it's his family and it's his responsibility and so on and so forth, giving him the lecture that I'm sure he's just not in the headspace to even begin to listen to. In the background, while she's trying to give this lecture, you continue to hear him beg, essentially, Khadijah, to keep her hands off of him. And now you can hear that they're becoming more and more agitated with one another. And he's like, keep your hands off of me. Don't touch me. He says he's trying to get ready for work. And he's like, hey, basically, like, let me just get ready for work and I'll be out of your way. He says, I'm good. Like, he keeps saying, I'm good. Just keep your hands off of me. Then he says to whoever he's on the phone with, which I'm assume, I'm assuming is still his uncle, to send his cousin over. He then starts screaming at this point. So up until now, he's kind of talking in, in a similar tone to what I'm speaking in right now. Very agitated, but still in this tone. Now, after this has been going on for a few minutes, he then starts screaming, keep your hands off of me. Then you start hearing her mother say, stop, stop, Khadijah. He begs her to move. You hear him say, move. Like he's just, he's now at the point of frustration and it's now escalated beyond a point that it was earlier. And we can't see what's going on because it appears, like I said, the phone is set down. Then Nicole, the screen goes black and he's still screaming, don't touch me. As the mother is screaming to her to stop. And she screams in the middle of this as she's clapping, murder scene, murder scene. And she's clapping the cadence of what she's saying. Then you hear him say, your daughter pulled a gun on me. And then he says, don't touch me again. He says he's going to get his shoes and then he's going to leave. She then tells him, you're not taking anything because everything in this house belongs to me. Then you hear the mother say, I didn't come over here for all of this. She says, you all have to stop all of this. Y'all wonder why the kids. And as she's saying, you all wonder why the kids. She doesn't even finish her sentence and you hear a single gunshot. Now, mind you, Nicole, at this point, the screen is black. So we don't exactly know what's going on. But the one thing that I do know is the sound of gunfire. And you hear one single gunshot. Then you hear Khadijah start screaming and then you hear the mother start screaming and then you hear screams and pleads for help. Then you hear someone saying, stay with me, stay with me. And Nicole, possibly the most devastating part of this is you hear screaming, crying children in the background. All while this is still being streamed live on Facebook. Then the kids are crying and you hear one child who sounds to be to be very young saying, I want my daddy. Then you hear someone say, your daddy is dead. Then you hear screaming again. It's very interesting because it kind of goes from this frantic screaming to this trying to what sounds like trying to save someone. And then you hear someone say, I didn't know that there was one in the chamber. Unfortunately, live on Facebook, Jeremy was killed from a single gunshot. Police say that the couple had been arguing all night into the morning, and this is not the first time that they had been called to the home. They said that Jeremy was trying to leave and defuse the situation. And at that point, I guess his wife hadn't calmed down. So his wife shot him. And he died at the home. I don't even know how to process this. And I'm not in the situation. I'm not the mother. 
I'm not Khadijah, not the husband, the family, the kids. But the one thing that I will say is, yes, we've talked about domestic violence before. Yes, we've talked about abusive situations before. We've talked about bad marriages before. We've talked about it all. But this, this like intersection of rage and toxic relationships and the clout that people get from sharing their lives on Facebook is just this deadly space to be in. And this story is a perfect example of just how deadly it is. I don't even want to ask you what your opinion is, Nicole, because I feel like that's just, it seems very trivial at this point. But like, I, th- I think that we can agree that this is a life that was taken unnecessarily and something that could have been totally avoided. And now I'm going to ask you what you think, Nicole. You know, this one really made me angry. Like I honestly, after I heard the gunshot and her screaming, and then I heard her say, I'm going to, I'm about to go to jail. It was like, you realize what you were doing. You realize you just killed him and you're about to go to jail. Um, it, I couldn't continue to watch all that happened. So, I mean, I didn't hear the kids say, I want daddy and stuff like that. Like, I didn't hear that, but I did know that the kids were in the room. At least a small child was. And I, it brings me to Harrison and the things I do to protect him and to protect his innocence and to make sure that regardless of what's happening, that my husband and I aren't arguing in front of him or even showing him that we are at a point that we don't really agree with each other. Like we try not to do that. We're very conscious of that. My mom is very conscious of that. Like everything is about what we feed his little three-year-old mind and being a positive representation of like what your parents are supposed to be. Like you're supposed to come to us for love and comfort. And to think that she did this in front of her kids is just like mind-blowing to me. Like the thing that some children go through is just crazy to me to think that when they're leaving their school, they're going home to this BS arguing. And you don't even know what the argument is about. You know, this man is trying to get dressed to go to work to provide for the family. You're mad because he's going and run, you know, picking up people to on his way to work to bring them to work. Talk about he can't put gas in both cars. Well, what are you doing? You know, are you even working? You know, because, you know, as a wife and, you know, I'm traditional. So for me, it's like your role in the marriage is supposed to be like and help me. Like that's your job. But the demeaning and belittling of this man is not helpful. And for her mom to interject herself and think that it's her job to give her husband a lecture is beyond me. Like if my mom says anything to my husband, like I shut that down. Like, hey, stay out of the business. This is between me and him. I can be mad at him, but you can't be mad at him. And you really don't need to know what's going on within our marriage. And that's my mama lived with us and doesn't know what's going on in our marriage. So for somebody's mama to think that it's their job to hop on a bandwagon and chastise this man publicly is crazy. And then the thing that adds insult to injury is you really want to talk smack and demean this man, not just in front of your his kids, not just with your mama acting as your sidekick, but on Facebook Live? So you want to embarrass this man in front of everybody that he knows, in front of his boss, in front of his coworkers, potentially, in front of his friends and family. You really just want to belittle this man that much that you have to put your business in the street. And then what made you have the audacity to pull a gun out on somebody? My thing is, don't pull a gun out unless you're ready to use it. And for you to say, I didn't know there was one in the chamber, you pulled the trigger. What point is it for you to, you just want to scare him? If you did, that's really cruel and unusual as well to pull a gun out on somebody and then pull the trigger to try to scare them. Even if there was no bullet in the chamber, that's still like just such a low and evil point that you want to scare somebody so bad that you could pull a gun out and to make them think that you have a bullet in the chamber. But you did. What happens if your children would have gotten a hold of that gun? What happens if they would have shot themselves or shot somebody else? 
but you killed your children's father. Your children are going to be raised by somebody else. Your children are going to be without a father and they're going to know that you killed their father. So now your children are without a father and a mother. How selfish can you be? I hope that she gets put under the jail, all the way under the jail, okay, with no chance of parole because this was not even like self-defense. It was not provoked. He was trying to get out of the situation. She was enraged for God knows what reason. I don't care what reason it is. If he cheated the other day, tell him to leave. You can leave. And I would argue that her mama needs to go to jail too. Her mama is sitting there egging everything on, telling him what he should be doing, how he should be cooking, taking care of whatever. How this man gonna cook and go to work. She wasn't trying to go to work. He was trying to go to work. You got her and her mama that couldn't nobody fix them kids, no, no, no plate. And you worried about him cooking for these children while he about to get ready to go to work? Like some of it doesn't make any sense at all. And I'm not saying I know their home situation. We only know a snapshot. But in that snapshot, it didn't make sense for her to be telling him he needs to be cooking and cleaning for these children. And he getting dressed to go to work and she's sitting there with her mama. I'm confused. Nicole, I agree with you. The The first thing that I would like to say is this. As much as we don't take like, you know, political stances on this podcast, even though we kind of do, I guess, I, I just want to point something out, right? To your point, if you didn't plan on using the gun, why did you pull the gun out? Especially if there were kids in the house, right? As we know that there were. Why did you pull a gun out that you had no intention of using? Was it for the Facebook clout? of, hey, y'all, I got a gun to tell people that you have a gun? Or was it for, like, were you even thinking? Were you in a mental space to even think rationally? Or were you so enraged that you could not think rationally? Now, Nicole, if she had gone to proper training, right, the first thing that they tell you is to handle a gun under the assumption that it's loaded. And then the second thing that they tell you is it's likely always going to be one in the chamber. So the fact that that her excuse was, and I don't know if it was the excuse in the moment that I didn't know that it was one in the chamber, I'm not buying it. And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not judge and jury. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is there was no reason for a gun to be introduced into this particular situation, aside from the fact that she had an audience on Facebook Live. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's why she did it or even that she even knows that that's the reason why she did it. But my whole thing is, if you're telling someone slap me now and you all have already had some sort of physical altercation, why would you introduce a gun to the situation if you had no intentions of using it? I just don't get it. And Nicole, this reminds me of a situation that happened, but I think it was a couple years ago. But there was a younger man and he killed his ex-girlfriend and his ex-wife, right? And he killed his ex-girlfriend. And in the middle between the time that he killed his ex-girlfriend and the time that he got to his ex-wife's house, he went on Facebook Live to tell everyone that it was happening. And this is the thing that I think bothers me the most, right? It's not bad enough that we have such violence. It's not bad enough that we have such violence in in the in our community. It's not bad enough that we have such violence in our black community. It's not bad enough that we have domestic violence and that people are killing their the person that they claim that they love the most to death do them part, right? That's not bad enough. Now we have to stream it live. Like that's the part that I'm that I'm struggling with because I feel like it gives that extra boost of ego of clout of whatever it is that you'd like to call it to give people this extra audacity to feel like they have the right to take someone's life because they have an audience like i really just want us to sit and like think about this for a second two 28 year old lives they haven't even hit 30 yet two 28 year old lives were ruined four lives of children ruined likely the life of the mother ruined and everyone else who has the residual effects of this tragedy, their lives are now going to be forever changed. All be because you wanted to stream this on Facebook. Like I, I don't even, I don't understand. And I'm not sure that I'm able to comprehend or understand, but it's just such a tragedy and such a senseless tragedy. There was no reason for it to have escalated to this level. And we would be sitting here outraged if we heard a story of a man 
getting into an argument with his wife and pulling out a gun and shooting her dead with a single gunshot. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking on a lot of levels. I don't even want to talk through any of these letters. I'm just so pissed right now. But I guess we need to talk through them because there are more you know, crazy stuff in the world that's like this that our listeners have shared with us. So are you ready, Jenny? Go for it. All right. So the first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I want to leave this man, but I just can't seem to walk away from him. At first, he was very sweet. Now he's always asking me where I'm going and who I'm with. About six months ago, I realized he was following me around. I ran into an old high school friend I used to date in the grocery store. My boyfriend called asking where I was. I told him in the grocery store. Then he asked who I was talking to. I tried to play it off asking him what he was talking about. But then out of nowhere, he just popped up on the aisle. He walked up and introduced himself. My phone was literally still at my ear. When we walked away, he grabbed me by my neck and told me he would kill me if I lied to him again. He beat the hell out of me like I was a child when we got home. And all I could think about was how sorry I was for flirting with my old high school friend. For the last few months, I've tried to be on my best behavior, but he always finds something to accuse me of. I went to my sister's birthday dinner last month, and that turned into a major argument with him pulling a knife out on me and then posting a picture and a poll about me on Twitter. He didn't like what I wore to the party, but he didn't see me until he got home. I was afraid for my life. When I cry, he tells me I should get my stuff and leave, but I just can't seem to muster up the strength to do so. Ladies, what's wrong with me? In the back of my mind, I want to marry this man because I love him. But deep down inside, I fear for my life. What should I do? Sign, Jamie. Jamie, I'm going to say this. It is very possible to love someone and hate their actions. You can love him, and that is okay, as we should. We should love everyone, right? And I know that it's easier said than done, but you should love everyone. But you don't have to put up the abuse, because that's exactly what this is. It's abuse. The following you around, the controlling behavior, the posting a poll on Twitter. Like, I wish that people would just, some things are just meant to keep to yourself, They're not meant to be shared with the world. But Jamie, I will say this, and this is coming from someone who has lived through an abusive relationship. It doesn't get better. Every single time it gets a little worse. It takes a little more out of you and you have a little less strength to leave because you are just drained. You're exhausted and you're giving this your everything, especially when you're saying that you love him, right? So you want this to work. But he's just not in a space mentally or emotionally to be the man that you need him to be. He's clearly unstable in his emotions. He clearly has some rage issues. He clearly has some control issues. There are a lot of issues that this man will need to work through before he's any kind of reasonable or suitable partner for you, let alone husband. Marriage is a lot of work. And he has a lot of work to do on himself before he starts the work of marriage. Jamie, I am, and you know, if you've listened to this podcast before this before today, which I'm assuming you have because you wrote into us, you know that Nicole and I are huge proponents of marriage. Like we love love. But we're also very realistic. This is not the person. He's not it, not as he currently is. Now, I'm not saying he will never be it. That's not what I'm saying. There might be a point where, you know, he gets a handle on his emotions and can and understand how to manage his frustration and his rage. And he gets a handle on his control issues and he does a whole 180. But until that happens, you are not safe. And I'm saying you're not safe because popping up at the grocery store and trying to figure out who you're talking to and controlling you and isolating you and then talking about you and, and just doing things to take bits and pieces of your soul. That's not the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. I need you 
And I know, I know when you're in the situation, it's hard. Trust me, I know. But I really need you to muster up as much strength as you possibly can and just leave. What do you think, Nicole? I completely agree with you. I mean, there's no, um, I definitely think that you need to love him from a distance for certain. But I do recognize that when you are in a cycle of abuse, it's so hard to walk away. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to rationalize the person you love's actions and say, well, I shouldn't have been doing this. Like you're trying to be on best behavior. You're not a child that needs to be on best behavior. This is not going to school and getting a treat at the end of the day for asking enough questions or being kind to your peers. This is your life. You can go where you want to go and you can dress how you want to dress because you're a grown woman and you should not have to answer as a grown woman to any other adult. Period. Whether that's your husband or whether that's your lover or whether that's Tom, Dick and Harry that's down the street. You don't have to answer to anybody as a grown woman. But this cycle of abuse you're going through has almost created like this shade that's over your eyes so that you can't see it. Ask yourself, if this were your sister and she was in the exact same situation, what would you tell her to do? And whatever you would tell her to do is really what you should do. One, I think that you need to get out of that situation as quickly as you can, because you could definitely lose your life because somebody that's slapping you around one day may slap you too hard one day and knock you out and hit your head and then you're dead. Okay. And there's no way to sugarcoat this. This conversation can be very triggering, but we have to talk about these things because anybody that can put their hands on you can't also take your life, whether that's on purpose or accidentally. So I would encourage you to get out of this as soon as possible. Number two, if you're not going to get out as soon as possible, tread lightly. Okay. Save some money. Do be on best behavior. Make a plan and get a place that you can go in the event that you feel like your life is in imminent danger. The issue with being in a domestically violent and controlling situation by a narcissist is their actions are unpredictable though. You can go from having, you know, great conversations, watching a movie, and all of a sudden this person is choking you. Okay. It's unpredictable, which is why I would encourage you to get out. Once you make up your mind to get out, you need to get a restraining order. You need to create a paper trail. You need to get a restraining order and you need a safe place to go so that you can then gather and get a plan after that, whether that's your, your parents' home or your best friend's home or a shelter. You need a place to go so you can regroup and get a game plan together. You don't need to get a game plan together while you're there with him. You can regroup at somebody else's house and get the game plan while you're there at the other house. Okay. Now this also, whenever you leave a domestically violent situation, you go to a friend's house, it does put them in danger too. Okay. So that's why you do need the protection. You do need the restraining order. You do want to make sure that the person that you're with is comfortable and you're not just going to another girlfriend's house that doesn't have, you know, neighbors close by or a husband or some other person that could potentially protect you close by. You need to go to somebody's house that has an alarm system, that has some cameras on the outside of that thing, that has other people living there, not just kids, like some other adult man living there so that if he drives up, hey, the cameras go off and I know that he's on the premises and you can call the police. So we got to be very careful with where we going so we don't put somebody else in danger. So you definitely need a restraining order and you definitely need to make sure you pick and choose where you're going wisely and also let people know, hey, this person is dangerous. If you see him, please don't answer the door for them. If you see them, please call the police. If they come and try to talk to me, please tell them I'm not here so that you can get everybody on the same page so they know how dangerous the situation is. Okay, so I have another letter, Nicole, and it says, Hi, ladies, writing in because I think I know what I need to do, but I want confirmation from you all. So here it is. First, I'm from Texas, where the only thing bigger than hair and football are guns. My husband is ex-military and ex-law enforcement, and we've been together for over 20 years, married for just 12. We have always had a love-hate relationship, very intense, but since he's retired, things have become very scary. He says I constantly nag him, and he often tells me that I disgust him. 
and he just doesn't want me around and doesn't want to see my face. I don't know what it is, but it seems that ever since he retired, everything sets him off. The other day, after I asked him a very simple question about what he wanted to eat, mind you, I did ask several times, he said he was going to kill me. Stunned, I didn't ask him again, nor did I fix him anything to eat. I'm not typically scared of my husband, but this is a side of him that I've never seen before. He also tries to stoke fear in me by reminding me that he has several guns and he could kill me before I blink. Ladies, I think I may need to leave my husband for my own safety, but I really don't want to. I'm very unsure because he's never actually put his hands on me, but I don't want to give him the opportunity to snap. Am I overreacting or am I justified in fearing for my life? Signed, Cynthia. Listen, Cynthia, anybody that's talking about killing me, I got to go, right? I'm not going to wait for you to put your hands on me. You've told me and you are are ex-military. You've threatened me already. You've reminded me that you have guns in the house. I'm not going to wait for you to use the guns. You know, he's ex-military. Emotionally, he might be dealing with a lot psychologically. He is more likely to snap on you being ex-military, ex uh, law enforcement and no not to military we appreciate your service no not to the police we appreciate the protection but what you're not going to do is wave your guns in front of me and all of a sudden your personality is changing so i don't know psychologically what you're dealing with and then you tell me you're going to kill me you telling me you're going to kill me that's all i need okay you've told me what you're going to do shame on me if i sit there and allow you to do it i can't do it i got to leave and I'm going to go to your your police friends and I'm going to file a restraining order after I leave because I cannot deal with you trying to hunt me down like I'm like I'm some like prey and then shoot me down like a, you know, a rabbit dog. Oh, absolutely not. You know, you're telling me how you're going to kill me. I got dog. I remind you, I have all these guns in the house. So you're telling me how you're going to kill me. No, it's a no for me. I got to go. That's all it takes is for you to open your mouth and threaten me. I I do not take kindly to threats. When somebody tells you what they're going to do, believe them and assume that that's what they're going to do. You have to do what's best for you. You have to be safe. Okay. And I don't hear anything about this man saying, oh, baby, I was just joking. First of all, you don't joke like that. Secondly, he didn't say he was joking. He said he was going to kill you. I'd have packed my bags that night. I don't even think I'd have packed my bags. I'd have left. I got my car keys. I would have left. I'd have came back with the police to get my stuff. That's how serious I would have taken him. You only have one time to tell me you want to kill me. You want to kill me or you're going to kill me. He said he's going to kill you. But either way, I would be gone. Cynthia, I agree. And I know that this seems like, you know, you said that you always had a love-hate relationship and that it's very intense. Yeah. I mean, look, we all have seen it. Like, you know, relationships that seem intense, but nothing is ever going to happen. They've always just been intense. Well, intensity intensifies. And to Nicole's point, if if that's what he's thinking about, you don't want him to, to overthink that that thought of killing you, right? And I get it. You've been with this man for 20 years and it's been married for 12. And it's hard to walk away from a marriage, especially when you have this kind of time invested, Right. But you want to be able to live to see another 20 years or another 12 years. And it's okay. We're not asking you to divorce your husband because we're not saying that that's necessarily the case that you need to at this point. But I would say that you need some time away. And it seems like maybe, you know, you said that he's ex-military and ex-law enforcement. Maybe he's having a hard time adjusting, not making excuses for him by any stretch of the imagination, but just trying to figure out how... Someone that has never put their hands on you has kind of turned into what seems like a little bit of a monster. I I think that, you know, to Nicole's point, he might be suffering with some maybe PTSD. Maybe he's suffering, you know, a lot of law enforcement and a lot of military. They suffer trying to adjust to civilian life. Maybe he needs some help. Maybe he needs some mental help. Maybe he needs some therapy. Maybe he needs just some like readjustment. Like I know that when military members deploy, there is a certain level of like readjustment training that they have to go through when they come back stateside, right? Because it's a lot. 
Like people who are in the military and people who are law enforcement see the worst of society on a daily basis. That can do a number on someone's psyche. Let's be honest. So we're not saying that he's a bad guy. Like, just like we just told Jamie, like these people can be amazing men. They just are suffering with some, some mental health issues, if we're being honest. But what we don't want to have happen is that these mental health issues play out live and you end up either injured or worse, killed. So maybe he needs some time to himself. Maybe, you know, you suggest that he, this is your husband. So like, maybe you suggest that he gets some counseling or some evaluation to try to figure out exactly what is going on. Because it seems like the things, like you said that you asked him what he wanted to eat and he seems to be flying off the handle by th about things that are very minor. I nag my husband every day and he's never threatened to kill me. Right. And I'm not saying that it's right for you to nag him if you're even nagging. But like the the things that you're saying are causing his very volatile reactions don't seem to be worth like the, the little bit of annoyance that he might be receiving. It doesn't seem to be worth the response that he's giving you. So I would suggest leaving as you know, it might just be a temporary solution. It might be something that you need to leave permanently. I don't know. But I would suggest seeing if maybe he's willing to get evaluated for PTSD or seeing if maybe he will seek mental help so that he can get to a place that seems more like who he is. You don't it, it seems like he's probably lost a large part of his identity since he's no longer in the military and he's no longer in law enforcement. So he might have, you know, he might be having a difficult time adjusting to this new identity that he's a new space that he's in, this new part of his life that he's in, right? And if that's the case. Like, you know, those are things that can be fixed. He has to address them. So, Janine, what did you learn new this week? So I have a couple of things, and I'm not sure that all of these are new because I think that we've given some of these statistics before, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to share. So one is of the total, and these all came from the Domestic Violence Hotline um, website. So of the total of domestic violence homicides, about 75% of the victims were killed as they were attempting to leave. So to Nicole's point earlier, if you are going to leave, make sure that you put the proper, the proper things in place so that you are not attempting to leave and then putting your life in danger still as you were leaving. So it, you know, get the restraining orders, inform your friends, make sure that people know that, you know, you are in a violent situation and make sure that you are telling the people who really genuinely care about you and not people who may leak the information to your abuser. And then one of the other things that I've, that I saw was about 4,000 women die each year from domestic violence. So that's more than three women who are murdered by their husband or partner every day. If you think about that, if you think about how staggering that statistic is, more than three women a day are murdered by the person that says that they love them every day. Like that's, that, that's staggering. And then the one thing that I did not know, so this is actually probably my learn something new, is the presence of a gun in domestic violence situations increases the risk of homicide by 500%. So if you are listening to this and you're not 100% sure as to whether you should go or stay or if you're safe or if you're not, just remember, if you are in a domestically abusive or violent situation and there is a gun in the home, you are 500% more likely to be involved in a homicide, whether you be the victim or the person that is perpetrating the homicide. So let's keep that in mind. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? What I learned after, you know, reading about that case, the next thing that stumbled across um, uh, was an article. And I realized that folks are out here just crazy. Like people legit are crazy. So there's a Florida woman named Sarah Boone who literally stuffed her boyfriend in a suitcase like as a joke like hey get in the suitcase let me see if i can zip you up zipped him up because they were playing hide and seek in 2020 
And she left him to die in the suitcase. Like, left in the suitcase. You can hear him pleading, like, babe, let me out. I can't breathe. I'm having trouble breathing. Can you please let me out? She goes upstairs, gets her bed, goes to sleep. Comes back the next morning and homeboy's unresponsive in the suitcase. Like, that is crazy. So she's on trial for that right now because obviously that happened a couple years ago. But I didn't know that. And I thought to myself, oh, folks are really out here crazy. So please be careful who you choose to procreate with. Be careful who you choose to date. And please be careful who you choose to marry. Because it could literally be a life or death situation. Literally. All right. So are you ready for a motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. And it reads, ladies and gents, because y'all are not excluded from this. You deserve more. Abuse is not love. Love yourself enough to realize that you don't owe anyone anything. Love yourself enough to realize that love shouldn't hurt. Love yourself enough to choose yourself and walk away before it's too late. Until we meet again. Pray, work, play. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh That's Deep BWC. Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.